Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year's to all. Let's turn to number 79, and we'll start our worship with To God Be the Glory. to worship. Good morning. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 130. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thy knees be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous Redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Amen. Amen. That's that's all about uh, what Jesus would do. It was a prophetic foreshadowing, and now uh, this is the first Sunday after Christmas. So let us sing this Christmas carol. That's all about the incarnation and how the Spirit God came to earth to redeem us. Number 218, Thou Didst Leave Thy Throne. In Bethlehem's home, there was found no room. 
as we were singing this in many churches that practice a very liturgical advent they only sing the first four verses before Christmas which is the now but after Christmas they sing the last verse which is the not yet we are waiting now for the second coming even as we gather to worship this morning so let us pray Lord God we've gathered here this morning to worship you. We thank you for the gift of your son and the difference that he made in everything. And we now measure time from before he came to earth and after he came to earth as we wait for his second coming. So we pray for your spirit to be here in a powerful way among us as we are gathered and be in each and every one of us and all of us together in in the singing, in the praying, in the listening to your word and in the sacrament. We ask it in Jesus name and for your glory. Amen. And now um, if you will take your bulletin inserts um, on the first Sunday of every month, we pray David's prayer of confession to God using his words as our words. So let us confess together. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. 
You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Amen. And in the words of the Apostle John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In fact, that's the very next song we're going to sing. We're going to sing about the power in the blood of Jesus, number 334. you be free from the burden of sin there's power in the blood power in the blood would your evil a victory win there's wonderful power in the blood there is power power wonder working power in the blood of the lamb there is power Working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. You do service for Jesus, your King. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood, in the blood of the Lamb, of the Lamb. There is power, power. Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. And you may be seated for the reading of God's Word this morning. Scripture this morning is from St. John chapter 1 and Psalm 66. This is John 35 through 51. Again the next day, after John stood and toured his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, 
come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Then Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Psalm 66, 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, How terrible art thou in thy works! Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to the name, Selah. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doings toward the children of men. Amen. Amen. Well, that's the word of God, and there is a lot there. But before we go there, um, let us pray. (sighs) Father God, on this day when we begin to dig deep to discover the precious jewels of truth in the Apostle John's account of the life that your son lived on earth as he fulfilled his ministry as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Please put into our heart collectively a gratitude for what he did on the cross for us, that we may also be willing to lay down our lives for him, following him in the way of suffering with the courage of John the baptizer and the truth and integrity of Nathaniel who proclaimed the deity of your son, the Savior, on meeting him. And please move our collective heart also to fear you for your awesome works done through many millennia down through the ages to our current day. And as we have come to follow Jesus, so must we also call others to follow him so their sins may be covered over and taken away through his sacrifice. And as we participate in the sacrament later, help us to be very much aware of all he has done for us. And also, may all we do and say 
wherever we are being every day of our lives and whoever we are with, may all of our lives be a testimony to Yeshua, our Savior. And we pray for your church in Jesus, our brothers and sisters in him, all around the world to stand strong in his love and truth in this time of such great oppression. And Father, I've just been made aware this week, and uh, I'm not sure how many of us are aware of the great need of your remnant of people still in Iran, as the government has made it the mission. They are hell-bent on killing every single Christian in the nation. And uh, that just is, wow. So be with them. Be with them and just strengthen them and, and strengthen their faith. And we also pray with regards to uh, President Putin that whether it be through uh, repentance or removal, that you would uh, remove him. And also, also, if, you know, if he can't change or if he does get removed, there's many like him in Russia. So we pray for the people of Russia and our brothers and sisters there. And we pray for our nation. We have to realize that we will not be healed by political office holders. And yet we pray for their souls. And especially professing Christians in leadership positions who just see nothing wrong with killing babies in their mother's womb or condoning lifestyles that contradict your word of instruction in scripture. But balancing this, Father, we pray for ourselves that we, your church, may examine all of our beliefs and practices in the light of what the Spirit of Jesus is revealing to us as the truth of your word. And we also are aware that we are doing things that we feel are right, but really we're just practicing what our culture says is right, that is indeed in contradiction to your covenant with us in Jesus. So we all need to be changed. We all need to be made right in you. And in this cell of your body, which is our church family, Father, we thank you that we know that one family whose spiritual role model of faith went home to you last year did have a very blessed Christmas day. And may we all live the truth of Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, and Pentecost every single day as my brother prayed with me this week. He says, I've never forget what he said to you, Jesus. Every day is Easter because every day you are still risen from the dead and in our lives. Now, Father, we pray for Allie and for her family, uh, including uh, Mike's niece up in New Hampshire. We pray for Peter and his family. Father, we pray for Elan. We pray you would give her strength and focus. We pray for Doris, that you will continue to bless her. We pray for Cindy. Please open your word to her, and may your spirit bring her renewed life as she enjoys your love in Jesus. We pray for Christine, and, and what a joy that she's been able to join us this morning in person. We pray for John and Pat and all of those who are living far away, including Alan Carroll. And we thank you uh, for Noelle, as she must join us virtually uh, because of certain conditions keeping her from worshiping in person at her home church. And Father, now I pray that um, you would be with me and please help me to explain, interpret, and apply your word rightly. And then finally, please be with us um, in the sacrament. And, and may we experience Jesus with us and in us, uniting us to him and therefore to each other. And now we thank you that Sometimes we just come to the end of our own words about situations that are important. And Jesus gave us a perfect prayer that covers everything. So we pray it together with one heart and one voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And before we dig into uh, John's gospel, uh, let us sing together, O Little Town of Bethlehem, number 200, to prepare our hearts. And remember, Bethlehem is the house of bread. How appropriate. was called the greatest among all those born of women by Jesus himself. He preached a baptism of repentance for release from the bondage to sin to prepare people for the coming of the Savior who is the King of Kings. And he was fearless even to the point in confronting King Herod for his sin of adultery, which ultimately cost him his life. Now, from our scripture this morning, we heard that when he was at the peak of his baptizing ministry at the Jordan River near Bethany or Bethany, which means house of affliction, 
some Pharisees questioned John about his identity. Three times they questioned him. First, he said, no, he is not the Messiah, Yahweh's anointed from Isaiah and Daniel. Nor is he Elijah who is to come from the last book of the Greek Bible, Malachi. And he is not the prophet. Moses said Yahweh would rise up out of Israel. Now, the day after this encounter with the Pharisees, and we didn't read it, John saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And with that, we are right up to the point. This gives the background of our rather lengthy passage that we heard this morning about the events of the next two days and actually beyond. I I realize that going over the sermon this morning. Now we are introduced to four of the apostles by name. And I believe there are two more. In fact, there's at least one, but I believe there are two more inferred kind of between the lines of this passage. So now let's look at the passage Day by day, there's two days, so we'll look at it in two parts. The first part is on the second day, two of John's disciples followed Jesus. One was Andrew, who called his brother Shimon. So it starts out, John calls Jesus the Lamb of God, and two of his disciples follow Jesus to his dwelling in the late afternoon. Now, let's look at it uh, phrase by phrase. So we're told the next day, day two, John had been standing again. And two of his disciples, having looked to Jesus walking, John says, behold, the Lamb of God. So As I've already said, this is now the second day after John had been questioned by some of the Pharisees. And on the first day, he said, the Lamb of God who takes away sin. This day, he merely says the Lamb of God, assuming they remembered the rest. So John saw his disciples looking to Jesus, and he repeated himself. Going on short and sweet. The two disciples of John heard him speaking and they followed Jesus. Now, as I was considering this, remember John's humility, which comes out a little bit later in the gospel where John would speak of the necessity of this happening. I think some people would be jealous. Why are my followers leaving me and following him? But he he said... It is necessary, that one, that one to increase, meaning Jesus, and me to become less. So again, John knew what was happening being a prophet. And then we're told, but Jesus having turned and seen them following is saying to them, what what are you all seeking? And they say to him, Rabbi, which is saying being interpreted, Master. Where are you dwelling? Now, rabbi in Hebrew literally means my great one, which could indeed be master, right? So uh, Jesus wants them. He says, what are you seeking? Who are you seeking? Why are you doing this? To give their reason why they left John and they decided to follow him. Now, like most people, and I think I would be pretty intimidated if I saw Jesus and I knew it was Jesus, they don't answer him directly. Uh, Maybe they didn't have an answer. Maybe they were afraid. But what they do is they cautiously answer him with another question, sort of changing the subject. And what they're saying is, Where are you staying? Well, then Jesus is saying to them, you all must come and you all will see. And then they came and they saw where he is staying and they stayed with him. 
And I'll put it on our time frame, the hour being four in the afternoon. So they would have 12 hours from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. The 10th one would be four. So he commands them to come, and then he promises them that they will see. And I've said this from when I first came here. This is just hundreds of command promises in Scripture. Whenever God gives a command, there's a closely linked promise, and that's what's happening here. So they stayed with him because the afternoon's coming to an end. Now, the second and more important part of this second day, one of them, we're told, Andrew calls his brother uh, Simon to meet the Messiah who changes Simon's name to stone. So again, let's go through it line by line. Andrew, being the brother of Simon Peter, is one of the two having heard from John and having followed him, Jesus. Now, here's where I think every commentator would agree. The other disciple who is not named here is most likely John, the author of this gospel. You'll find he always keeps himself in the background, never mentions himself by name. Occasionally, he'll be saying, I think kind of shockingly, because he was a son of thunder and a lovable, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay, so, um, also, I am surmising that just as Andrew called his older brother, Simon Peter, John called his older brother, James, and the other gospels seem to support that. Okay, so so moving on, we're told this one, Andrew, finds first his own brother, Simon. And he's saying to him, we have found the Messiah, which is saying, being interpreted, anointed. Okay, so the first thing, Andrew, and I find it very interesting, he has a Greek name, Andrew means man, is calling his brother Shimon, which is using his Hebrew name or hearing. Um, what he does is he goes and finds his brother. And then he asserts that he and the other disciple of John the Baptist, they have found the long-expected anointed one of Israel. Messiah means the one anointed, the one who will be king of kings. And then the very next sentence is so short and so simple. He brought him to Jesus. In here, and, and you know, I think this is what the Gospels imply and what the whole New Testament is all about and what John talks about at the end of this letter is whenever somebody has a dramatic encounter with Jesus and begins to follow him and know who he is, that person will call his or her relatives and friends to also follow Jesus. Now, this is all about Jesus, but making it applicable to us as human beings, I think the point is those who follow Jesus will call others to follow him as well. And then this is very interesting about Jesus. We're told, having looked intently at him, Jesus is saying, thou art being Simon, son of Jonah, which means dove. Thou will be called Cephas, which is being interpreted stone. So Jesus is fixing his gaze on Peter. And he's taking in who Peter really is, the real essence of Peter, and why Peter is alive, and why he's on earth, and why he was created. Okay, now, Cephas, which is Aramaic, translates into Greek as Petros, and both of them do mean stone. Now, let me point something out here. I didn't put it in the outline, but I'm going to make it explicit right now. Jesus came to change people who follow him. So if we are genuinely following Jesus, we will be changed to be what he knows we should be. And the change of name doesn't mean Peter will never hear again, but it means also 
He will be a solid stone and rock in the temple that Jesus will build. Now, the second part of this, we have the third day. Jesus is calling Philip, who invites Nathanael to meet Jesus. And Jesus tells Nathanael he will see a miracle concerning the Son of Man. So this is a real big deal and a climax of the first chapter. But first we're told Jesus finds Philip and commands him to follow. And then Philip finds Nathanael and commands him to come to the one of whom Moses had written. So again, let's look at it line by line. The next day, Jesus desired, desired to go forth into Galilee. And he's finding Philip and Jesus is saying to him, thou must follow me. And this is where I realized this was a long day because you have to understand that he wants to go to Galilee and that was a three-day journey on foot. So it takes three days on this third day. He finally ends up at Galilee. And by the way, Galilee means circuit. And for a sea or a lake that is round, it's an interesting name and an appropriate name. Okay. Now, arriving in Galilee, he finds Philip. And again, it's interesting to, that's a Greek name as well. And uh, if you know that like hippo is a horse, Philip means someone who loves horses. So he soon commands this Philip to follow him. Now we take Andrew and by implication, John, and then Peter, after he was called by his brother, they decided to follow Jesus But here, Jesus is commanding Philip to follow him. What does this mean? I was thinking about this this morning. And I think, again, we we try to put everybody into the same mold. I think that's what people do. But what is very interesting is the way that Jesus calls people. It's different. He tailor makes it for each person. Some people will hear about him and they will decide to follow him. Others need a little stronger call. And Philip got that stronger call from Jesus. But we're told he was from Bethsaida, from the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, Bethsaida, again, that word Beth in Hebrew always means house. It's the house of fish. So think how appropriate that town is on the Sea of Galilee where most of the people earn their living from fishing. And we're told in Matthew's gospel, both pairs of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were all fishermen. So they were fishermen from the place house of fish. Then Philip, we're told, is finding Nathaniel. And he's saying to him, whom Moses wrote in Torah and the prophets, we have found Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. So just as Andrew had called his brother to follow Jesus, Philip now finds his friend and calls him to follow Jesus. And he tells Nathaniel, which means gift of God. I think many people know that, but that's interesting. He finds him and he tells him, Jesus is the one that Moses wrote about and also the one that many of the prophets wrote about. As I said in the introduction, he's the prophet. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He is Jesus' Savior from Nazareth. And Nazareth means a guarded place. And what that kind of means is with the Roman Empire having its fist and its thumb on all the Jews wherever they lived, there were plenty of soldiers in that city. And you had to watch yourself if you were a Jew. So it was tightly guarded. But again, Philip is another example of those who follow Jesus calling someone else to follow him. But then Nathanael said to Philip, his friend from Nazareth, is anything good being able to come? Now, it's just a straightforward question, but I guess Nazareth had a bad reputation. So um, 
is anything good able to come? And Philip answers. So we have another Q&A, just like all the situations where one calls another. He says, thou must come and thou must see. Now, here's where Philip is being different from Jesus, maybe the difference between a human and God. So um, when Jesus was saying he gave a command with a promise, here Philip is just giving a command and a command. You must come. You must see. You got to do it. Come on. Come. Come. So then we have Jesus um, dialoguing with Nathaniel. And Nathaniel starts out by declaring Jesus is the son of God. And then Jesus gives a prophecy that Nathaniel and really all of his followers will see an incredible miracle, a miracle such as happened to Jacob Israel. So Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and he's saying concerning Nathaniel, behold, This is truly an Israelite in whom treachery is not being. So think about this. Jesus is describing Nathanael as one who is living as a faithful son of God's covenant. And the covenant as it was expressed through the Torah, through the prophets and all of the sacred Writings. So here is truly a son of the word. And moreover, Jesus sees no deceit, no treachery in him. And Nathaniel saying to him, to Jesus, how is it? How are thou knowing me? And Jesus answered, before thee, Philip called, being under the fig tree, I saw thee. So Nathaniel is wondering how a man he just met, this is a man and I just met him, how can he possibly know anything about me? And Jesus replies that when Nathaniel was under the fig tree, he saw Nathaniel and he had knowledge of Nathaniel. Now fig tree, and I've said this other times when I've gone through the Gospels. Fig tree is often in scripture a symbol of Israel. I've given you four examples in the sermon outline, two from the prophets and two from the Gospels. Also, uh, I'm beginning to realize, again, as scripture is getting opened up more and more to me, Jesus may have seen Nathanael under that fig tree sometime before this day when he called him. Sometimes in scripture between two lines, there can be months of time that went by. So he's talking to him and it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense that he saw him under the fig tree right then and there. What would that prove of anything to Nathanael? But if sometime prior than this, Nathaniel had been under a fig tree and probably praying and, and crying out and, and talking to God about something that was significant in his life and that he was concerned about and he thought God hadn't heard him. And now all of a sudden he's hearing this man who might be the Messiah saying, I was there at that time when you struggled. So now Nathaniel says to him, Rabbi, thou art being the son of God. Thou art the king of kings. By using these two titles, son of God and therefore divine, Nathaniel knew what he was saying. And the king of Israel, the eternal king promised through David in 2 Samuel, Nathaniel indicates he has accepted Philip's invitation to follow Jesus. Moreover, he believes he is following God's son. So here's some fruit from someone who called another one to follow Jesus. And then Jesus answers him back and he says, Because I said to thee that I saw thee under the fig tree, thou art believing? Greater than these thou will see. Now again, God has infinite knowledge. 
And like I said, that time under the fig tree may have really been critical in Nathaniel's life, but now Jesus, just as he questioned the first two that followed him, he's questioned that Nathan has already come to faith based on just one word from him. But he did. And in his grace, Jesus goes beyond and promises Nathaniel he will see even bigger and better things. And then he's saying to Nathaniel, truly, truly, I'm saying to you all. So it's not just Nathaniel. We can assume other followers were with him. You all will see heaven having been opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What's happening here? Jesus describes the vision that Jacob received as he was fleeing to his uncle Laban to escape his twin brother Esau's threat on his life. Jacob meaning supplanter, and he tried to steal everything from his brother. He was so impressed on seeing this vision, he named the place Bethel, literally house of God. And then later, after Jacob wrestled, With God, the angel of the Lord, his name was changed to Yisrael. He will be prince of God. Okay, once again, we have a person whose name is changed after a dramatic encounter with God. And also, don't miss this. Jesus is saying that with this, he is the perfect Israel. Remember, God said through Moses to the people before even giving them the 10 words, it is my will and my desire that every one of you will be a priest of God. That's what Israel should have been. Well, Jesus is the high priest and that's what he's proclaiming. And with this statement, Of this miracle, Jesus is identifying himself with Jacob Israel. But moreover, he uses the title Son of Man, which is used of the eternal king who is to be worshipped or served by everyone on earth. And if you're here and you have a bulletin, I've put the Daniel prophecy on the back of it. So again, this closes with a powerful, powerful miracle. And now I'm beginning to understand these people that put together the um, narrative um, preaching um, lectionary. And why would Psalm 66 be paired with this? Well, we will go through this psalm right now because it talks about all the wonders and the miracles and the awesome things that God does. So let's look at that psalm right now, line by line. We're only looking at part of it, but it starts, shout joyfully to God, all the earth. So all the people on earth, all are commanded to shout for joy in religious worship of God. That's the connotation of the word from a theological dictionary. Sing the glory of his name, Make glory his praise. So the two halves of this poetic line are doubling down on glory, commanding God's people to sing glory about his name and to make glory praise to him. Continuing on with the psalm, say to God, how fearful thy works In thy great power, thy enemies will cringe to thee. So God's works are so awesome. They inspire fear in all who see them, even his enemies. Now, the word here is translated a little differently by the New American Standard. So the implication here is sometimes God's enemies will feign submission to him, while doing their own thing. But what this psalm writer is saying is eventually all will truly cringe who are God's enemies. But now we come to the real positive gospel part of it. All the earth will bow down in worship to thee 
and they will sing praises to thee, and they will sing praises to thy name, Salah. And there's like three meanings in, in the Bible dictionary, which can mean quiet contemplation or exclamation, but some kind of a response to the truth of what was said. But what's happening here, this is universal opportunity, people, going all the way back to Abraham and the blessing that God gave him when he called him. And through thy seed, all the nations on earth will bless themselves. All the people on earth will be given grace to worship God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And then our portion concludes two commands. You all must come and you all must see the works of God, his fearful works towards the sons of men. God's fearful works include a miracle on the order of Jesus seeing Nathanael's heart when he was unaware of the presence of the Lord in his life. Or when Nathanael and the rest were told they would experience they would see Jesus experience what Jacob Israel had experienced on his way to his uncle Laban's. Understand this. This is what Christmas is all about. This is what we consider now and every day. When Jesus took on the flesh and blood of humanity, conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary to be born a human baby boy in Bethlehem, that changed everything. And now Jesus is saying as a 30-year-old adult beginning his public ministry that he will be the fulfillment of all the man Jacob Israel and his descendants were called to be. Jesus is identifying himself with Jacob Israel. And this people is the foundation on which the whole gospel rests as we will see in the weeks to come. So to sum this up, two men decide to follow Jesus based on John's testimony. One brings his brother to Jesus, who then changes his name. Then Jesus calls another man who invites his friend to meet Jesus. And on meeting him, Jesus reveals a foreknowledge of him as a true Israelite. And this causes him to worship Jesus who then gives him a prophetic word in which Jesus presents himself as the fulfillment of all God wanted Israel to be. And in him, we also can be that fulfillment. But when it comes to us, what we're taught is those who follow Jesus and encounter him as these disciples did, they will call others to follow him also. And now, as we get ready to receive the sacrament of communion, let us sing number 245, We Are the Reason That He Went to the Cross. Show us the reason to live. 
if there's anyone who does not have um, a communion kit at this time, uh, please go and, and take one. And now also take your bulletin inserts and we will do our communion responsive reading together. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. So come to the table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God, through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. And now, before we partake of the elements, let us pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection, and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all, and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you, Holy Spirit, this bread may be for us the body of Christ and this cup, the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him and give us strength to serve you in the world. And to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. Let us partake of the elements. Amen. Despite what some people think, silence is a very important part of worship to God. And this has been a very special time of worship. But joy is also part of knowing Jesus and what he's done. So let's just close singing one more time, Joy to the World. It's number 194. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare in room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to earth the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Oh, fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sound in joy. Repeat the sound in joy. Repeat, repeat the sound in joy. No more let's sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found 
far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes a nation's prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love. And wonders of His love, and wonders, wonders of His love. Okay, it's all John all the time today. I'm going to close with this word that the apostle wrote to the churches scattered and persecuted near the end of his life, around 90 A.D. We have beheld. And bear witness that the Father has sent His Son, the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one. Who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. So let us close singing number one twenty, which also comes from First John. Behold, what manner of love! Sons of God.